day community. So grateful for all the sacrifices that you make on a daily basis for your children. And by doing it for your children, you do it for the community and for the entire world. Amen. So to all of the mothers who are holding it down, those who are really doing their jobs, amen. Those who are really training their children, we thank you and we celebrate you today. Well, we need to start as we begin the series, Standing at Crossroads, Making Wise Decisions. On Wednesday night, we looked at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. This morning, I call your attention to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through verse 33. Luke Gospel chapter 14, verses 25 through verse 33. We invite you to stand with me wherever you are, even in the comfort of your home, out of reverence for this being the word of God. Luke chapter 14, beginning with verse 25, resting at verse 33. The Bible says, Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, and wife and children, and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after and come after me cannot be my disciple. But which of you desire to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation is not able to finish, all will see it and begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first to deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Maybe see me further than the Lord. For a few moments, I want to talk about redefining. Read. The fire prayer. Read the fire prayer. We are obsessed with getting what we want. It is a human problem. We want what we want when we want it. How we want it. If for some reason we don't get what we want, when we want it, how we want it, we have the audacity, unmitigated thought, to look at others with contempt. How dare you not give me what I want? After all, I'm entitled to what I want. We began to make our argument. All that we do and all the things that we contribute as a means to getting what we want. I've done this and I've done that. I don't get it in it for. I don't cause any confusion. I don't ask for much. All of these are our manipulative means to gain what we want. And since we are so obsessed with what we want, since we are uh, bloods that cannot be satisfied, no matter what we have received, it's not enough. Since we are so caught up 
and feeling that we're entitled to certain things based on our resumes, our credentials. We oftentimes end up getting something that we want and realize later it's not really what we want. We get to go after it. We are determined to get it by any means necessary that we turn blind eyes to red flags. We ignore warnings. We fail to do our due diligence. And as a result of it, we have found ourselves holding, possessing, and uh, having things that we wish we could give back. Sometimes this happens in contractual agreements. It is when you read the contract, but you really don't read it. Because the contractor is promising you something that you want. And you in such a rush to get what you want that you hasten to sign the bottom line and you fail to read what they call the fine print. Fine print is inconspicuous details or conditions that are printed in an agreement or a contract, especially the ones that may not meet our approval may be unfavorable toward us. These soft-pedaled details are found in sections where the print is often smaller than the other print on the document and it is comprised of disclosures and disclaimers, often to the benefit of the contractor, not the contractee. Fine print. Signed on to something without really considering what exactly am I signing on to. This happens in our lives too. It happens in loans where you sign the bottom line but you didn't realize the interest rate. You didn't realize the loan payments. You didn't realize these other small terms that uh, you were not thinking about. You, you signed the dotted line for the car, but you didn't factor in the payments. You didn't factor in that that headlight may cost you a thousand dollars. And I'm not talking about the globe, I'm just talking about the light that you put inside of it. But you know, you could afford the payment, but you just ignored the other factors. When that car started giving you problems, you decide you want to downgrade. Find something that's not so high maintenance. It happens in relationships. Oh, he was fine. Dressed good, talked good, smelled good. Oh, she was fine, had it together, said all the right stuff. Always look presentable, always look nice, always felt good. You just knew that this was the one. Their resume was impeccable. They had all the things that you ever desired, all the things that people would ever want. And everybody looked at you and said, What more could you want? Those were fine friends. Bad attitudes. Selfishness. Self-centeredness, manipulation, control, all of these different things, the fine print that you ignored because they did not disclose it to you on the front end. Fine print. If you don't read the fine print, you won't make wise decisions. If you don't read the fine print, you find yourself to something that is not advantageous for you. If you don't read the fine print, you end up feeling disappointed. You end up feeling that someone has taken advantage of you. And you say, this is not right. The reality is, my brothers and my sisters, it's really our fault because we did not read This is what Jesus says to this crowd this morning. To us. 
If you want to follow me, don't get caught up in the crowds. Don't get caught up in the popularity. Don't get caught up in what's social acceptable. Don't get caught up in this mass movement. Read the fine print. Because underneath all of these crowds and all of these miracles and all of this popularity and all this populist movement, there are some things that, that I'm going to require out of you. And before you run off and say that you are my disciple, then you need to read the Many Christians have not read the And as a result, we're not really the disciples. Our religion is just religion of our grandmother. And our granddad and our mama and our grand and our fathers. It is just my daddy was a Christian, my grandma was a Christian, my grandma, great grandma was a Christian. It was accepted and expected for me to be a Christian. But the reality is you never really read the fine print of what it means to be a Christian. And therefore you hold a Christian by name. Your grandmama was a Christian. You just go to church. <laughs> Your granddaddy was a Christian. He prayed every day. He tried to live a life for God. Not just on Sunday, but every day of the week. You're just a one day, two hour Christian. We really prefer one hour when you can make it happen. <laughs> he don't read the fire church. Jesus says, read it. And, 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 and what happens now is we proof text the Bible. We proof text the Bible. And we just reach in there and find the promises that we like. We, we, we find the things that we like. No, that reform against me shall prosper. I like that one. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I like that. He'll make your enemy so I'm going to let you know what's up. I'm going to let you know what I require out of you. And 
Deus eu bem que eu seja. Uh, I want to have some things in divine prayer and discipleship. So what is divine prayer and discipleship this morning? Well, Jesus began by telling them the requirements of potential disciples. He said, if you're going to be my disciples, if you're thinking about following them, then here's what I'm going to require. First thing Jesus said is this, I require supremacy. I require to be first. I require that nothing else supersedes my place in your life. And Jesus says, let me show you just how much I need it. He says, and any man who comes after me, comes to me. It does not, it is, hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters and yet even his own life cannot be my disciple. Oh, Jesus. I grew up in a day where people would fight. If you said something about your mother, in fact, if an argument broke out on the playground, we just asked, who's mom cooked the best cornbread? Because, because mama was a term that if you disrespected mama, those were fighting terms. And then, you know, if, if you had a big brother, a big sister, you knew that your big brother and your big sister, if anybody tried to pick on you, that was fighting ground. I'll never forget when I was little. We was at the church, the pastor's kid, one of y'all was. And somebody decided they wanted to pick that knee. And this girl was picking that knee. Next thing you know, Tiffany came somewhere off the top step, <laughs> down to the bottom step. And before you knew it, they were on the church ground The pastor suit. Now that don't mean he came to work for us. We don't justify the argument. But, 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 but for her, that was fine terms. I mean, you know, I just said this girl didn't say nothing else to me. It was fine terms. You, you were picking on her little brother. At a time when he was not a size able to defend himself, and that was a God alert for her that it's time to show you that you don't ask for my brother. <laughs> Jesus, and now you are saying that you require that he hates mother, father, children. If you want to make a good Christian mama cut up, that's her baby. She, she, she would lay down on some of that fish. If you mess with her baby. And she said, yes. She said, hate. What Jesus is saying here is not hate. Because Jesus would not contradict scripture. The Bible says we are to honor our mother and our father. So that our days be long. Jesus is not saying hate in the literal term. But what he's really saying is to love less. What Jesus is saying is you must love me more than you love your mother. You must love me more than you love your father. You must love me more than you love your children. You must love me more than you love my your brothers and your sisters. And you must love me more than you even love yourself. Jesus is saying, and I take priority. If you will be my disciple, I take priority above all other relationships that you can't love anybody more than you love me. I would ask you one question. How would the world look if people, I'm talking about Christians, I'm not talking about people in the world, how would the love world look 
that Christians love Jesus like they love their mom. What the world look like if Christians love Jesus like they love their siblings? What the world look like if Christians love Jesus like they love themselves? Think about how much different our world would be. I'm not talking about people outside the church. I'm talking about people who are in the church every Sunday morning, wear their suits, wear their dresses, talk their Bibles, talk their scriptures, post on Facebook. How would the world look different if we love Jesus like we love
And if somebody decides to follow me, oftentimes that decision will put them in opposition with their parents. Now, notice this. Jesus is talking to a culture where the family is where you got your identity. The family is where you got your protection. The family is where you found yourself having the resource you need to live a proper life. And Jesus is saying that I know that if you follow me, your family may not like the fact that you enlisted in my army. But you must be willing to do it. Read the fine he asked for supremacy in all things. He also asked for sacrifice. He says, take up your cross. Follow me. Jesus is talking about identifying with the cross. Identifying with him and his suffering. Does anybody have it right? I'm on the bottom line, just move on. Must Jesus die the cross of all? And all the world go free. No. There's a cross for everyone. And there's a cross for me. That, that we have to deal with the humiliation and oftentimes being mocked and criticized for being a Christian. Uh, let me suggest something to you. If you're a Christian and nobody ever called you crazy, you may not be a Christian. I won't say anything. If you're a Christian, and nobody has ever told you, you must be crazy, then you, you're not a Christian. Because Jesus Christ is a radical revolutionary Jew from Palestine. Turn the world upside down. Live counterculture. He did not go with the flow. He went against the curse of the times. And what he's saying to us is, if you're going to follow me, then at some point, you're going to be in opposition with culture. Okay. And people will look at you and say, well, lost your back. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me bottom line to you. Some of y'all don't want to talk about Start time. Start time. And talk to people who don't tie. Start time. And talk to people who don't give a check. When you start talking about the first thing I'm going to do with my check is pay my tie off the top that I owe this to God. You don't pay your tie before you pay your rent. Yes. You don't pay your tie before you pay your mortgage. Yes. You don't pay your tie before you pay your car. Yes. You don't pay your tie before you pay all this stuff. Yes. People will look at you and say, I want you to think about it. 
I want you to think about it. If you don't say you're my disciple, I want you to think about it. Don't be so quick to put that title on your name. I want you to think about it. Don't, don't be so quick to go around saying I have decided to follow Jesus. Don't turn it back. The world behind me, the car before me, this cross I carry, the I see Jesus. No, no, no. Don't be so quick to say those lyrics. Think about it. He says, listen, what man would build a house without first counting up the cost to make sure that he has enough resources to finish what he starts? He says, the man should first think out what is needed, make sure he has what is needed before he builds. Because if he starts building and he runs out of resources, then people will pop him and get that crazy man. Got out there talking about building a big house. And look at what he's doing now. Jesus says, You ought to count the cost. Consider whether you are willing to pay the cost to be a disciple. Remember, Jesus is not asking for quantity, he's asking for quality. This is why you can't get obsessed with mega churches. I'm going to tell you, some churches got 30,000 members, but only got 3,000 people that's really doing the work of the church. Don't fool yourself. You can have thousands in the sanctuary, but the church can be reduced to 300. That's really doing the work. Jesus, I'm looking for quality over quantity. So think about it. Jesus, I don't need a lot of folks. Because I just took two fish and five loaves of bread and fed five dollars. You think I need a lot of folk? I stopped out on nothing and spoke into nothing and created everything. All I said was let there be. And what I said came into being. You think I need a lot of folk? I turned water into wine without even touching it, without saying anything. No abracadabra, no epic focus. I just spoke in a building and the water turned its chemical molecules. Oh, wow. 
but it's what the price that's been attached to it. I'm done this morning, but I'm going to tell you, Jesus is quality. Jesus is in a class all by himself. Jesus is what the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. Jesus is the only one who turns water into wine. Jesus is the only one who takes sacrifices and turns them into banquet tables. Jesus is the only one that can spit on the ground and turn blood into mess and put it on in the eyes of a blind man. Tells him to go wash in a dirty pool and come back singing, I once was blind, but now I can see. Jesus is in a category all by himself. Do I have a witness this morning? Jesus is the only one that can stop by the town of man, touch a casket that's on the way to the cemetery. Open up the casket and give the child back to his mother. He's in a category all by himself. Jesus is the only one that's able to heal a woman that's been sick for 12 long years by simply touching the heel of his God. And the Bible says that when she touched the heel of others' garments, immediately she was made over. Do I have a witness here now? Jesus is the only one that can step off the docks in Genesis, find a man that's in the cemetery, cutting himself, cannot be found with chains, but then speak to the man and pass out the legion of demons and leave that same man sitting and old in his right now. He's in a category all by himself. And I'm here to tell you, church, that he's the only one now that can wake you up early this morning. He's the only one now that can bring joy deep down in your soul. He's the only one now that can make you smile when the world is smiling. He's the only one now that can make you run up and ain't nothing chasing you. He's the only one now that's able now to satisfy your deepest longing. I heard him say, I am the bread of life. If you eat me, you are never hungry again.
Christians are dealing with a lot of stuff. Y'all hear me? I'm talking real to you right now. Y'all listen. Christians are dealing with a lot of stuff. Your, your, your faith is strong enough. I need, I need some help to deal. God's going to take care of that. You believe that? Awareness starts to careful with those relationships that you hold dear to you. That's what he said. I take off my hand. I'm here to tell you, church. If you don't hear anything else, I say, Pastor, in the day, in my heart, give me cross in the day. It will happen. Jesus told us it would. We just don't read it. We overlook it. He told us that sometimes these decisions put you into some tenuous things with people that you love. Told us that. And it puts you in some tenuous places. He didn't tell you that some folks won't leave. He just said, I don't leave. It's going to cost something. And let me just be, y'all come on, come on, it's not going to cost you something one time. It's not going to cost you one time. It's going to cost you something. Time and time and time again. But whenever you get to that place, know that Jesus Christ is worth it. And you ought to be willing to pay price. And if you've ever wondering, what am I going to get in return? The Bible says, be faithful. But today, I will give you a crown of life. It's worth it. The door is open. Someone in